Now, he moves to a different kind of enduring. Now, this is something else. I don't want you to get confused by this, but he moves to a different type of enduring in verse 5. He says, some of you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to us as sons. This is what he quotes from the Bible or from the Old Testament. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when the Lord trying to teach you something. Now get this. Now he, he, he says, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Now sometimes he says, and you need to endure, verse 7, you need to endure this chastening because God, deal, God is dealing with you as a son for the, the son whom the father loves, he chastens. Now before you get the wrong idea that God is punishing you because of your sin, that's not what chastening means. God is not, you, you didn't do something mad, bad to make God mad and now everything in your life is falling apart. That's not how God works. No, we live in grace and mercy. That's not how God works at all. So get that out of your mind. The word chasten here is actually from the Greek word padia, which means training. So if you want to substitute an English word for chastening, God trains those he loves. But do not get discouraged when God is trying to train you. Do not give in when God is trying to train you. Do not do not throw in the towel when God is trying to get you to a new level. Have you ever heard the saying before, new levels, new devils? Well, you know, we, we just think new levels means more power and everything's going to go our way and we're going to walk in there swinging a towel and everything's going to be good. No, sometimes you have to fight your way up and then you have to maintain the ground once you get there. You know, your, your gift might make room for you, but your anointing has to keep you in that room. Just because you have talent doesn't mean you can sustain where you're at with just mere talent alone. You have to have an anointing to keep you there and sometimes you've got to fight for that ground. So understand this, the Lord is saying in this next part of this he said nobody likes it look at verse 11 no chastening seems joyful for the present but it's rather painful he says nevertheless afterwards it yields peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it oh that's a good verse nobody wants to go to boot camp but when you go to boot camp you come out stronger nobody wants everybody wants God to use them but they don't want to be ready for God to use them everybody wants great faith but God has to put you in circumstances to build your faith Everybody wants to endure, but how are you going to endure if there's nothing to endure? Everybody wants joy, but they don't realize that weeping comes before joy. Weep See, sometimes the height of your joy was the depth of your weeping. Sometimes you are so joyful. It's like, it's like when Mary broke the alabaster box and Jesus says, everyone's ridiculing her in the room. He said, oh, we're going to forget every one of your names. Can you name anybody in that room but her and Jesus? No, we, we usually can't. We can't, and we know we're in Simon the leper's house. I mean, we, we know there's a few a few articles there but he's, Jesus said everybody's going to forget who's in this room but her and they're never going to forget her story and then he says something about Mary who broke the alabaster box he says him who has been forgiven much has the ability to love much you want me to show you somebody who's loving I'll show you somebody who's really loving somebody who's been really hurt now if they got really hurt and bitter they're not loving at all 
But if they got really hurt and forgave, they, got, they have the capacity to be one of the most loving people in the world. Show me your scars and I'll believe in you. Tell me a story. I know there's, I know there's more to you. You can't be that great without going through something. You can't be that in love without coming through something. You can't be that spiritual without coming through something. Show me your scars and I'll show you somebody that has been in the training room with Almighty God. Not an easy time. Oh, a difficult time indeed. Not a simple time. But if you will not despise the training of the Lord, then I'll give you a word an angel gave me one time. I'll tell you the story real quick. My wife and I, my daughter, we were traveling to Lee University from St. Louis where I was pastoring. And my, my daughter, Brittany, was, in, was at Lee. And we were going there to see her on Valentine's weekend. And it was snowing on the way. And we had to drive real slow. My, my, my wife and daughter need to pull over and, and go to the restroom. So we pulled over to this store. I was full of gas. And we parked in front of this convenience store. And there was an older woman walking around her car right there beside me. She pulled up after we did. There was an older woman walking away, walking around her car. And I stayed in the car. And all she kept saying is the vision, the vision, the vision. Something's wrong with the vision. Something, the vision, the vision. And I thought, oh, she is so confused. I really felt sorry for her. I thought, she is very confused. Maybe she can't see out of her windshield. So I get out of my car and said, ma'am, can I help you she's all she would say is the vision the vision something's wrong with the vision something's wrong with the vision that's all she would say I said well you know what I've got some windshield wiper fluid in the back of my car I'll pour it in your car maybe we can get your wind your windshield clean for you so I get out that big blue you know jug and I poured I popped the hood of her car and I poured it in there popped it back down slammed it back down and when I went to when I went to walk away she grabbed both of my hands and she started shaking, and she looked at me right in the eyes, and all she said was this, God's getting you ready for what he has ready for you. I said, excuse me? She said it again, and when I looked at her this time, I could see, it looked like I could see right through her eyes. Her eyes looked like the Caribbean ocean. She looked like a little old lady till I looked in her eyes, and in the iris of her eyes was as blue as anything I've ever seen in my life. And I said to her, I said, ma'am, would you wait and tell that to my wife? Because my wife, you know, I'm kind of a nut magnet, but my wife is not, you know, so I attract all kinds of people. But but my wife is not. She's got a, a stronger spirit of discernment, probably like most wives. And I knew my wife could tell me if this was a nut or not. You know, so I didn't know for sure. And so I turned around and said, would you tell that to my wife? Because I didn't think Faith would believe me, honestly. And so Faith and Lindsay were coming out of the out of the store. And I turned around and said, honey, I want you to meet this lady. She said, what are, you, are you pulling my leg? I said, no. And I turned around. There is no woman. There is no car. I am standing there holding a jug. There are no tracks in the, in the snow next to me. There is no place. I've got a half jug full of proof. And there is no place where I poured this out. She was completely gone. My wife didn't believe me until I was silent for three hours. And that's the first time in our life that ever happened. And when I was silent for three hours, she knew that I had encountered an angel. And I could not get it out of my spirit. And all she said was this, 
God's getting you ready for what he has ready for you. Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know why God messed me up the last two days to bring you this word, but I'm telling you, don't despise this time of testing. It's it's preparing you for something great that is about to happen in your life. God is getting you ready for what he has ready for you. If you believe that and you receive that, give the Lord praise in his house. Hallelujah. I just want to say thank you to all of our ministry partners who help us take the gospel around the world and train pastors and leaders around the world. Because of you, we have been able to do so much for the kingdom and expand the kingdom of God. I was able to train over 5,000 church planters just in the country of India alone. We've worked all through Africa as well as Europe. Uh, Every year I go to Romania and train pastors and we've trained hundreds of pastors there in in Romania. We've graduated over 3,000 pastors from programs, certificate programs, just in Central America. Uh, Our teams and the young men and women that I've taken on the field with me, numerous uh, young ministers who I just want to give them experience and and, uh, help them to get their feet wet in ministry. We have gone around the world spreading the gospel and none of this is possible without you. I just want to say thank you for your continued support, whether it's a one-time donation of any size or whether it is a a monthly donation that you've decided to partner with us uh, monthly. I just want to say thank you for that. And for those of you that are looking for ways to give to this ministry, because it is a good seed to sow in and we're doing things around the world, here's a screen that would tell you some easy ways that you can give to this ministry. But once again, I just say thank you from the bottom of my heart and from all of those lives that you are changing. It is my honor to be your ambassador to the world. Going on in our story to verse 12. Now the next thing he tells you to do is if you're going to endure, you have to learn how to strengthen yourself. You can't always depend upon somebody else to give you a word. I know they always want the man of God or woman of God to give them a word. Sometimes you can't depend upon that. And and can I tell you something? Don't push the prophet. You know what I mean by that? When you start pushing people to give you something they don't have, they have to perform. When you push the prophet, you get performance. They're going to guess what they think. No, you don't need that kind of word. You don't need a word. You're not so desperate that you have to get your word from everybody else. God can give you a word for you. God can tell you what he's trying to say. You don't have to ask every spiritual person to fight your battle and to do your fasting for you and to do your praying for you. You might need to push back the plate, get on your knees and open your Bible until the Holy Ghost comes to your house. You can't always depend upon everybody's, everybody else's walk with God to give you a word from the Lord. So the Lord tells us if you're going to endure, you got to strengthen yourself. So here's how he says it. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down. We know what that is, right? They're depressed. Strengthen the hands that hang down and the feeble knees. Make them straight. So the Lord is saying, here you are. 
It's been rough. It's been long. It's been a COVID year. It's been hard. It's been miserable. And I've, I've given up on the government. And I've given up on the news. And I've given up on, the, on my doctor. And I've given up on, on science. And I've given up on Facebook. And, and somebody needs to give up on Facebook. I'm just going to throw that in there. That's not the news. That is not the news. Anyway, and I've given up on my, you know, I haven't seen anybody in so long. I'm just trapped in here. He says, uh-uh. He said, no, you can't do that. you got to stand the test. He said, those hands hanging down, you pick those hands up. Now, God is just kind of sassy when he says this. He said, you need to strengthen those hands hanging down, and you need to strengthen those feeble knees. Get back up, he said. Get back. Get out of that recliner and get on your feet. Get out of that chair. Get up out of that bed and get back up on your feet. Strengthen those knees. Strengthen those hands. you got to do something if you want to stay in the fight. You might have to do what Jude told us to do in verse 20. He said, but beloved, build yourself up in your faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. Maybe you just need to get alone and pray in the Holy Ghost until strength comes. Do you know that will strengthen you when nothing else will strengthen you when you don't know what to say? Do you know that when you pray with groanings that cannot be uttered? You Read the rest of the verse. When you have nothing left to say and all you can do is moan and all you can do is groan, the Bible says you start praying in the perfect will of God. Did you know that? You don't have to know what to say. Just moan a little. Just groan a little in the Holy Ghost and you'll start praying in the perfect will of God. And can I tell you, the devil's worst nightmare is when he makes a woman groan because every woman knows that's birth talk. When a woman groans, she'll birth something. The devil better not put too much pressure on the women of Princeton Pike because if he gets the muzzle, the mothers of this church groaning they'll birth out a revival they'll birth out a prayer meeting they'll birth out a preacher they'll birth out a move of God you don't make a woman groan she's experienced she knows what that language means that's why the Bible says the earth is groaning but he says if you want to stay the test of time he said you got to strengthen yourself in the Lord which says if you're going to strengthen yourself in the Lord there's a few things you might need to get rid of Look carefully, he says, verse 15. Look carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this many become defiled. Uh, Perry and I were actually on a trip uh, earlier this week, Perry Stone and I, and we were, we were on a long drive, and I just started telling him about some of the things I've been through as a ministry. I think he actually put out a YouTube or something on something like this. He didn't, he didn't tell him it was me, and thank the Lord, because I was afraid he was going to tell some of the stories I told him. It was some of that's just, uh, it's just the scars of ministry. That's all it is. But I was telling him that there's been times in my life, you know, you can't, you can't do great things for God without going through some battles. You can't, just because you're betrayed doesn't mean you have to give up. Just because somebody lied on you doesn't mean you need to give up. Just because somebody walked out of your life doesn't mean you need to give up. We've all dealt with that. You're in good company, folks. You're in good company. We've all experienced things like, you just got to keep going. 
Sometimes it's hard. There have been times I wanted to stand up on the rooftop and scream, it's a lie. Don't believe it. It's a lie. But I couldn't say a word. I just had to let the Lord fight my battle and turn my enemy. I had to let the Lord scatter them seven ways. And God, I don't know what you're going to do with it, but I'm just going to have to let you take care of it because I can't do a thing. If I start defending it, it's going to make me look guilty. And I tell you, Perry's been through things like that. Some of you have been through things like that where you hear all kinds of rumors that aren't even true. And there's no way you can even go tell people it's not true because people just believe what they want to believe. But I want to tell you, every great man and woman of God is going to fight a battle like that. And you're going to fight a battle like that. And so I was telling him, I said, well, some, he said, what do you do? Because Perry's going through a, a, a hard year last year. And, and he's, by the way, he's doing great now. For all of you partners of him, he is doing great. God is using him. He's won more souls to this year than he's ever won in, any, in this frame of time, doing revival by the lens of a camera. And just one of those events, over 2,000 people in another country gave their heart to Jesus Christ. And uh, he doesn't even tell the country because the Bible's illegal there. But over 2,000 Christians came to the Lord. Good thing happening around the world. So I, he said, what do you do with that? I said, well, I'll tell you three things that I've had to do. One of those things is that I have to write, I wrote a person's name one time who betrayed me terribly. They were very close to me. As a matter of fact, it was my dearest friend and betrayed me. And it was the most painful thing I'd ever gone through. And I would just wanted to give up. Here I was, feeble hands, weak knees. I just wanted to go to bed to forget about it. This was a horrible betrayal, and I didn't even want to preach anymore. I didn't want to do anything anymore. I thought, if this guy can betray me, anybody can betray me. It was painful. And so I, I, I had to write his name on a rock and throw it into my own version of the Sea of Forgetfulness. And I walked out to a lake. I wrote his name on the rock, and I threw that rock. And when I saw that rock go down into, into that lake, I said, until I pull that out, I can't bring it up again anymore. Lord, this is your battle, not mine. Unless I can fish that rock out, my part of the battle is over. And I'm telling you, there was a release that came over my life. He said, you got to check yourself. Don't let a root of bitterness get in there. Many's going to become defiled. You're going to become defiled. It's going to destroy everything you love if you let bitterness get in there. You can't go there. Oh, no. You have to endure. You can't get bitter. You're going to get let down, but you can't get bitter. You're going to be disappointed, but you can't get bitter. You're going to have things that, that, you, that should have never happened to you, but you can't get bitter. You're going to be betrayed, maybe even criminal offense, but you can't get bitter. All things will work together for good to them. I promise you God will use it somewhere down the road to bless you and set somebody free. I promise you nothing is wasted when you give it to the Lord. As hard as it was to get through it, nothing is wasted when you give it to the Lord hallelujah and I told him I said another time I had to write uh, this person had already died and I just couldn't it was like a crazy tape in my head that kept playing over and over and I couldn't get rid of it I had to write a letter to them and go lay it on their coffin or not their coffin their tombstone I didn't sign it I didn't put their name and my name and my writing so bad nobody could ever trace it back to me I can't even read my own writing but I had to get it out of my 
heart. I had to get it out of my spirit and I went and I laid that letter and released it on that grave and God set me free. I don't feel any more pain. I moved from hysterical to historical. And some of you need to move from hysterical to historical. Some of you need to make it history, not a part of your emotions. You need to get it out of your emotions. Yes, it was bad. Yes, it shouldn't have happened. But God is still on the throne anyway, and you're still alive. That means he's going to use you. That means your story's not over. That means you got to be ready for revival when it gets here. And you can't be a part of the bitter crowd. Do whatever you have to do. I built an altar one time. I went out to a lake when they had the water down. I had a, a, another person it was another betrayal of my life a different kind and I, I remember building an altar and I put their name down in the sand and I and I and I, I remember going back about three months later and the water had been raised in that lake for about 10 more feet and that was under the water and I thought there it is that's where it needs to stay it has been baptized and baptism means death burial and resurrection and anytime you can baptize something I took a whole family to the creek on their farm one time and baptized every one of them because they were on the verge of divorce and they that's how they got over it they had to die to that moment and get resurrected to a new life and that saved their family that saved their marriage they had two more kids after that I think they figured it all out but sometimes you got to put it under the blood or under the water or in the grave but you got to get rid of it you cannot go around with feeble hands and weak knees you cannot stop now you're at the 23 mile marker there's only two more miles to go and you win don't give up now you're too close to the end to give up now you're too close to the finish line to give up now you have to stop this quickly and get back in the fight it's almost over hallelujah it's almost over it's almost almost over and you need to show up strong at the end well praise God some churches I have to apologize for being a dancing preacher but I know I don't have to here you have one too 